Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. It is so, so good to be together. Amen? I uh, was just thinking, uh, I, if you remember, th- this is my third Easter season with you all. Uh, but it feels like a first to me. If you remember last year, we were in the parking lot and it was freezing cold and the wind was blowing everything everywhere, if you remember that. And then the year before that, we were still completely online. And I went back and looked at my notes and it was just kind of fascinating to see where we've been and where we are now. And I'm so thankful to the Lord's faithfulness to us. Amen. <laughs> it is good to be together. He is risen. Amen. Amen. I, uh, it, it feels like new life all over the, the place today. My heart is jumping. Today is the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And the moment when we were saved from death eternal, given new life, and filled with purpose for our living today. We believe that God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ That God, through Jesus, put on flesh and blood. And you've heard me say this uh, a number of times over the past couple of years. We say this often in, in the holiday times, that God had a face. God has a voice. That he walked on our streets and he breathed our air. We believe that God became like one of us. And then Jesus, being God, did something that none of us could do. Which is he took onto himself all the things that separated us from God. All our rejection of God and his ways. Our sin, the mistakes of our life. Our power grabs. You know those thanks God for all you've given to us. I've got it here kind of moments, right? He took all of that and he died on the cross that day. And all of that stayed dead. But Jesus didn't stay dead Uh, Jesus, being fully God, we believe that he took up his life, rose from the dead, and walked out of that tomb. Amen? (laughs) He then showed himself to his disciples and many others and invited all people to begin a brand new, renewed relationship with him, with God. Nothing in the way, a clean slate, and a newfound connection with God as it was always designed to be. And the amazing thing about this invitation that we now have with with Jesus is that it is a free gift offered to you and to me and to all people here and now. So we celebrate today. We sing. We pray. We praise. Thankful for Christ, the risen Lord, the hope that we have, that the darkness of this world will not and does not have the final say. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is more powerful than the darkness of this world. He's already defeated death and the grave. He is risen. You know, I think uh, for a lot of us, the significance of what Jesus has done for us, the type of invitation that he gives to us, can be hard to grasp. Uh, And that's kind of what I'd like to focus on today, which is the incredible grace that Jesus has given to us in what he's done. We started talking about this last week on Palm Sunday, that at times it's really hard for us to understand the way and the why that God works, because he does things so very differently than we would do things, right? So we looked at Palm Sunday and Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, where he comes humble riding on a donkey, and we're like, if you're doing it our way, Jesus, you're doing it wrong, right? You should be coming in, in with, a, with an army all armored up and ready to take things over. 
But that's not what he does. Can it really be true that the gift that I, the greatest gift that I might possibly receive is simply given to me? That all I have to do is receive that invitation in faith and I can start a brand new, renewed relationship with God. That's hard for us. God's ways are different than our ways. Then maybe you ask these questions. God, do you, do you know me? Right? Do you, do you know my struggles? What about my doubts? Do you know what I've done? How is it that you even see me and know me? How is it possible that you can even love me, let alone forgive me and offer me this incredible gift? Well, to understand this a little bit better, what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at a story that comes from the book of Luke. And uh, we, ha- we find this story. It's actually happening during Jesus' actual crucifixion. And it's a story known as the thief on the cross. So what I'd like to do is I'm going to read the scripture for us. And then we're going to look at a powerful moment uh, that uh, happens between Jesus and the thief on the cross. So Luke 23, 32 through 47 says this. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, that, with Jesus. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, the leader, watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above uh, him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even uh, when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. What a fascinating exchange between Jesus and these two different criminals. This story has powerful implications for you and for me. So I want to think for a moment about these two criminals that were crucified with Jesus. We don't actually know a lot about these two other criminals that were crucified. Uh, What we do know is that crucifixion was usually reserved for the worst uh, offenses against uh, other people, other humanity, or Rome itself. Uh, We know that these two criminals, their lives had spun out of control. We don't know how old they were. We don't know their names. Uh, But we know that they were in a really bad way because they found themselves in a Roman jail and they're being executed. They're being condemned to death. They were likely so violent, so unpredictable, such a threat to Roman society that they couldn't even be trusted as a slave. They couldn't even be trusted to do something like row a Roman boat, which was sometimes a punishment for those in captivity. In short, these were not good guys. (laughs) But on the morning of their execution, they learned that they wouldn't be dying alone. 
they learned that there'd be another person that would be crucified right alongside them, a Jewish rabbi named Jesus. And I wonder if they had heard of this Jesus before. And I wonder what they originally thought about him. We don't know how long these criminals had been in prison, so we don't know if they knew about who Jesus was before they uh, came to this, this crucifixion. But as we read, we have this fascinating exchange between each of the criminals and Jesus. One of the criminals decided to die likely as he lived, defiantly, cursing Jesus and probably anyone else he could, he could see. He made fun of Jesus and sarcastically asked him to save them all. But the other criminal, it says, protested. And I wonder what was happening in his heart and in his mind in these moments. I mean, in the midst of the most brutal form of execution that humanity has ever come up with, one of the first things that the thief heard was Jesus praying for those who were executing him. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I wonder if he's thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Jesus, what are you doing? Like, how can you pray for someone like that, for the people who are actively killing you? All I want is to rage and get revenge. (laughs) And yet in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of all the pain, and in the midst of the process of dying, something dawns on the thief on the cross. There's something strangely different about this Jewish teacher. And he says to the other criminal, hey, stop it. What are you doing? Don't you fear God? We've got this wrong. We are being punished justly, but this man has done nothing wrong. And suddenly you can just imagine the wheels in his head and his heart are spinning. And he's beginning to see Jesus in a way that no one else around him does. And then it dawns on him in a moment of clarity and urgency, this criminal realizes, oh my, this is the Messiah. The sign above his head is correct. He is the king, but not like we think. And in a fantastic moment, in the midst of his own pain and suffering, to the best of his ability, he turns his head, desperate for anything in the last moments of his life. And he says, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? I don't deserve it, but I see now. I know who you are. You are the one that we've been waiting for. Will you remember me? Not because of anything I've done. Will you remember me in spite of everything I've done? And Jesus replied, I assure you, I promise you, I guarantee you that this very day you will be with me in paradise. This is an unbelievable moment. I think one of the best in all of scripture because the implications and the enormity of God's grace in this moment are powerful for all who follow or who want to follow Jesus. Uh, If we want to be a little playful as we think about this, I heard a message from a a pastor some time ago and he kind of was a little playful with this. And I think it's kind of fun. So if we think, let's think for a moment about what it was like for the thief on the cross as he gets to the gates of heaven, okay? What if we could ask him, what was that like for you? I mean, come on, you were certainly one of the worst criminals of your day. You'd even said that you deserved that punishment. You've never been in a Bible study. You've never been baptized. You don't know a thing about church membership, and yet you made it, (laughs) right? 
How is it that you made it? And the angel at the entryway of heaven, maybe he's, he's really confused and he says, what are you doing here? And the guy says, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? Well, because I don't know. And then maybe the angel kind of stumbling for his words says, excuse me, let me go get my supervisor. <laughs> so the supervisor angel comes along and says, okay, sir, we just have a few questions for you. Uh, first of all, are you entirely clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? And the thief responds, yeah, I've, I've never heard of that in my life. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, second question, what about the doctrine of scripture? Nope, nothing. What about sanctification or holiness or anything? And finally, in frustration, the angel says to the thief, on what basis are you here? And the thief looks at the angel in the eye and says, because the man on the middle cross told me I could come. The man on the middle cross told me I could come. And that right there is the heart of what we celebrate today. The good news at the center of Easter is that is because of what Jesus has done for us. And he tells us we can come. What unmerited grace he gives to us. See, the best news about Easter is that the Easter story doesn't revolve around you or me. There's no way that the thief on the cross could answer the question, how is it you are here, by bragging about anything that he did. (laughs) Right? He couldn't say, because I. Because I earned my way or because I'm this or that. The powerful realization about Easter, it comes when we realize that it's about what Jesus did for us and what he's given to us. The man on the middle cross told us we could come. One of my favorite quotes uh, from uh, an author named Brennan Manning. Uh, You've heard me say this before. I've said this in holiday services But it says that he says this, do you believe that God, knowing your whole life story, loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond faithfulness and unfaithfulness, that he loves you without caution or regret, boundary limit or breaking point, that no matter what's gone down in your life, he can't stop loving you. John 1, 16 through 17 says this, From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. John 3, 16 through 17. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever, so anyone, so that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Colossians 1, 19 through uh, 22 says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. 
This includes you and me who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. And yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy, blameless, and as you stand before him without a single fault. How is it that you are here? The only answer that you and I can give is because the man on the middle cross told us we could come. Easter is God's grace in action for you and for me. We aren't perfect people. Anyone want to admit to that? We aren't perfect people and we don't have to be. Ephesians 2, 1 through 9 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But by uh, by our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the things that we have done so that none of us can boast about it. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. What incredible grace is given to us. Once we receive then this wonderful gift, We get to go on this exciting journey. Together, we walk day by day as we try to figure out what it means to follow Jesus and we help each other do the same, right? We get to go on this incredible journey where we're shaped and formed into the people that God has designed us to be. It starts with his grace and it starts with his gift. It starts with what he has done for us and we can be shaped, changed, and transformed to look like the one who created us. Worship team, would you come on back up? I want to just end with a a scene here from Matthew chapter 28. One of the scenes, uh, one of the the tellings of the resurrection of Jesus from the Gospels, as we just think about uh, this story of the thief on the cross as we end our time together. It says this, the angel said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's risen from the dead Just as he said would happen, come and see where his body was lying. And now go quickly and tell his disciples and tell everybody else (laughs) that he is risen from the dead. So the question for you and for me as we think about today and as we go from here (laughs) is will you come? Because the man on the middle cross told us that we could. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for the gift of what you've done for us. 
that you took our sin, you took our guilt, our shame, you took all of that stuff that kept us separated, our willful disobedience, you kept, you, you took all of that stuff that broke the relationship with God, you took it onto yourself and you died. And all of that stuff stayed dead. And as you rose to life, Jesus, you invite us into a new life, renewed with, without the burden of all of that stuff. You invite us into a life like we were designed for. And you ask us this question, will you come? Will you follow me? I say yes with all my heart. Maybe you're here, uh, whether you're here in person or maybe you're joining us online. Maybe you're just exploring Jesus. Maybe uh, you're, you've never heard of Jesus or anything about what we've been talking about today. I just want to encourage you. Just as God's spirit moves in this place to respond to him. Maybe that's to respond in faith for the first time. Maybe that's a renewed commitment to following Jesus. If that's where you are in your faith journey. Maybe it's just, uh, I'm going to look into this more and figure out who this Jesus is. All of that is good. I just encourage you to respond in one way to Jesus, to God speaking to you today. We praise a loving and risen God. We thank you, Jesus. We give you all glory and praise. And in your name we pray, amen.